something here tonight. Um, my dad died on Sunday. And I know whenever I'm on social media and I see somebody announce that someone passed away, somebody had died, I always have this battle with myself thinking, are people just announcing this and are they exploiting somebody's death? I battled, I battled with doing this video here tonight and I'm still not sure if it's the right thing to do, to be honest. But I wanted to talk about death. I wanted to talk about my dad dying. Maybe to help me process it. So this isn't meant... Listen, my words aren't going to be that clear and crisp today. My energy isn't going to be incredibly high with stuff. This is going to be real. Um, it's real. It's happening. It's happening now. And I perhaps wanted to take you through the process of, of grieving where I'm at. Perhaps a different way of looking at death. It always was very interesting for me was, you know when someone passes away and there's new eulogy and oftentimes people say a bunch of nice things about someone who's passed away and I'm sure that many of these people did a lot of nice things in their life but I want this to be somewhat of an honest, an honest eulogy today because you see um, if you haven't told by my accent I'm originally from London, England that's where my dad lived um, I'm in Canada now, I'm in Toronto. I'm probably not going to get there for the funeral. Through lockdown and restrictions and, and what have you. Um, so I guess this is going to be a little bit of my eulogy. But it's, I want it to be an honest eulogy. I want it to be an honest eulogy. Because even though people died, if they were not good people, just because they died doesn't automatically turn them into a, a good person. My dad was not a bad person get into him and uh, my my relationship with my dad um, a little bit going forward but I want it to be honest my dad was a complicated character and I had a very complicated relationship with him um, it wasn't always sunshine and roses so when we get into that it's going to be an honest eulogy it's going to be an honest eulogy for my dad and why I battled making this is, is, is I didn't want it to be exploiting death, exploiting something that happened personally to me, someone else's life. And I didn't want to be like many other people that I'd see that was just, oh, someone passed away and I'm not making this video to say, oh, prayers with you and sorry for your loss, for likes. I'm not making the video for that. And this will probably go into um, a podcast and, and you know other realms videos I know we're on Facebook now but I looked at my work and the content I put out there and I realised that I hadn't really done anything on death so a little bit of a backstory on me when I was younger I was a weird kid and I remember being a, like a nine year old on my bed and with my little brain I'd be contemplating the world and what could happen as I get older and I don't know why I did this, but I would imagine bad things happening. 
and in my little small brain as a nine-year-old, I'd be like, I could deal with that. I could deal with that. I could deal with that. But one thing I didn't know how to deal with was death. I'm like, what happens if my mum or dad died or, or someone that I loved died? How would I deal with that? Listen, I know I'm a nine-year-old kid, but I'm a weird kid, right? And I can never wrap my, round, my head around someone not being there anymore. Especially, you know, mum or dad. And in my little brain, I'd worked out ways that I could deal with all these problems. But death was, was one that I'm like, I don't know how I could deal with that when I get older. When someone I love dies, how can I deal with it? So this is this video. You know this video is? It's for that little boy. That little nine-year-old that's up there thinking if his mum or dad died, how would you live? How would I go forward? This is for him. And not just for him, but for the him that lives in all of you. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one who, when he was younger, figured, what would I do? If my mum or dad or someone I love died. Didn't have the words, didn't have the techniques, didn't have the emotional maturity, life experience to be able to deal with it. This is for that one person, if there's that one person out there who just doesn't know how to deal with grief. This is for them. So, my dad... I, uh, I moved to Canada about 12 years ago from England. I went back one time about 11 and a half years ago. Now, I had a weird relationship with my dad. Now, let me put this out there. My dad was maybe the kindest person I ever knew. And I'm going to share some stories later on of, of, of how he showed me love. But there was a lot of other stuff there as well. My mum and dad had a weird relationship. Been together 45 years, never lived together. Lived five minutes away from one another. In fact, they got married just when I came to Canada after 40 years of being together, but not because they were in love, but because in England we have this weird thing that, that, that my dad's house has been in his family for, uh, for generations, fully owned. But if someone passes away in England, I don't know if this has changed, but it doesn't automatically their home go to their children. They have a thing called death taxes. It's like some gangster shit where the government takes a huge amount, even though the person owns the house. So a lot of families end up having to sell the house in order to be able to pay death taxes. It's crazy. So that's really why they got married. I don't even know if they're still together or were still together. Um, it's a very odd relationship. So my dad would come home. To my, I lived with my mum and would come Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And he would come after 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. He would drink his Bacardi and Coke, smoke. Uh, and he'd come at the weekend when he was drunk, when he was pissed. My dad was not an angry drunk, um, but he would drink until uh, he couldn't do anything else. 
my dad was two different people. See, he was very big on family, very big on family, but his family as in his brothers and sisters. Not, not so much our family as in being a dad. My dad was two characters at least with us when we'd see him, me and my sister. Very serious, very serious. My dad never gave much of himself as in his life story of what happened. Didn't know a lot about my dad. Tried to, tried to get to know him. Um, but, he, but, he, but it was very hard, it's very hard. So my dad was very serious, very serious with us, very serious with me and my sister. Unless he drank, well he was silly, a little bit too silly. Now, with his friends, my dad was a leader of men. My dad was a very popular person in the area. Everyone knew him, called him Mickey Mac. My dad's Michael McNamara, called him Mickey Mac. Um, he was the leader of his friends. Everyone knew him. You know, my dad was a bit of a gangster. He had ties to, you know, some of the gangsters out there. Some of the stories I did hear about him, you know, knowing, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Cray brothers that were a big criminal family in East London back in the 60s, few movies made of them. It links with these people. My dad lived a life. I didn't know a lot about that life. Didn't know a lot about that life, but my dad was very popular. When he drank, people knew him. He was the center of attention, very charismatic, very charming. Everyone gravitated towards him. When he didn't drink, when he was around us most of the time, completely different guy. My dad never hit me. I don't think my dad even ever swore at me. I didn't have a closeness with my dad. When my mum and dad would fight, my dad would go to his uh, house, five minutes away, and he'd expect me and my little sister as kids, even though he had a fight with my mum and they weren't talking, he'd expect me and my sister as kids to then go and speak with my dad and kind of be the bridge that goes over as opposed to him being the adult and him saying, hey, to me and my sister Bonnie, come and see me. Oh, I'd like to see you. It was up to us to to go as kids to kind of to our dad, even though that we didn't get into a fight with him, we got into a fight with my mum. It's very strange. Very, very strange. Um so my dad um inadvertently it's probably one of the main reasons I got into doing what I'm doing, helping people with addiction and what have you. Probably one of the main reasons that I am straight edge and I don't drink and I don't smoke. My dad did a lot of great things. He was, a, he was a very good man, kind man in many ways I'll go into. But I remember growing up, seeing my dad drink so much, smoke so much. And um, in 1993, I guess I was 14 or so, my sister was probably eight, my dad had his first heart attack. Um, and I remember going to the hospital and, um, and I'm a kid, right? And they haven't really given me a lot of information. And as I go in, I remember seeing him tied up to the machine um, with the wires and stuff and the heart monitors. And um, I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead then. So I'm a 13 year old, don't have a wealth of experience in hospitals. They haven't told me a lot. I think mean, your dad's had a heart attack. I go in, he's asleep, but I think he's dead. I think he's dead. And it wasn't a few minutes later he started moving and talking that I realised he wasn't.
from that point on, 1993, my dad stopped working. You know, he had, he had many different jobs. He was really intelligent, really smart guy. Different type of intelligence to me. If I may have had a humble brag there. He knew a lot about history, a lot about history. They say to be a PhD student, typically you need to have read 50 books on a subject. When it came into history in World War II, my dad had read well over 50 books, you know. It was a wealth of information about it wealth of information so seeing my dad there hooked up with all these machines getting silly when he when he drank and not being able to be the same character when he was drunk when he was sober and be open with us and, and it was loving but loving in a very different way i think my dad told me he loved me but it was only when he was drunk and he'd say a lot of silly things then i don't think my dad ever told me he was proud of me um and it, this ain't a poor me thing by the way all right uh, you know i've, I've dealt with a lot of these demons and, and stuff like that it's just it's just about being real with you my dad didn't ever tell me he was proud of me I think my dad um, had me when he was 35 um, dad was a good man he wasn't such a great dad though he wasn't such a great dad though I'll go into that a little bit and I'll go into these weird feelings I have right now Cause, and I'll go into my dad that a little bit more, but I'm at this place now where I understand the different stages of grieving, right? I haven't seen my dad in, in 12, you know what, I'll go into that in a minute. I told you this is gonna be all over the place today. This is not scripted, this is just real. Um, my dad subsequently over the years had multiple stroke, strokes, multiple heart attacks, smoked way too much, drank too much. I try and help him. I remember one time as a kid, didn't want my dad to die, so I took his cigarettes, one of the contributing factors to him having his first heart attack and, and, and subsequently triple bypass. Me and my sister took his cigarettes one Sunday when he'd come, come over after the pub or bar to my North American friends. We took the cigarettes, not to play a joke on him, but we figured if we took those cigarettes and we hid them, maybe he wouldn't get sick again. Maybe our dad wouldn't die. And we took him, and I think I cut him in half or something. And initially my dad had asked, hey, has anyone seen my cigarettes? Then he kind of clocked on to that me and my sister Bonnie had taken them. Subsequently became more angrier, never physical. Got really angry, got really angry with us. And our little brains, if I can speak for my sister as well, we didn't want him to be hurt again and we didn't want him to die and seeing him plugged into the machines and knowing the cigarettes would do it. It was our weird little simpleton mind. If we take the cigarettes, maybe he won't smoke again. Maybe our dad won't die. We got angrier and angrier and um, gave him back the broken cigarettes. I resented my dad for a long time because I felt that he chose smoking. He chose drinking. He chose having an unhealthy life over his family, over being a dad. I resented it for a long time and I tried to change him. And when someone's addicted to something, you can't change them. With all the love in the world, you can't change them. If you're trying to change them and they're not ready, just resent them and they keep doing their same pattern. And I really want my dad to change. And every time he'd go into hospital, I have to triple bypass another stroke. I stopped visiting him after a while because I was like, you made a choice to do this. You're making a choice to smoke. You're making a choice to drink and live your life. 
and by me visiting you when you do when you are continue to do this in in hospital is almost like enabling it in a way so I stopped visiting him in hospital at an earlier stage in my life because I, I didn't want to enable it. I didn't want him to think I was encouraging it. That may sound cold and I wasn't doing it from a cold place. I was doing it from a place that I figured maybe he'd get it one time and maybe he would choose me. Maybe he would choose my sister. Maybe he would choose my family over, um, over smoking and over drinking. He didn't. I'm not angry with him anymore. I'll tell you a little bit about how I feel at the end of this. I'm feeling really weird, to be honest. Um, anyways, um, here's the kind of man my dad was. I never knew much about him. He wouldn't share much about him. But I got burgled. I had this crate. My first girlfriend right her her brother was in a young offenders institute basically uh, a prison uh, a prison for young people uv i guess uv uv i don't know the, the prison for young people in north america but he was in he was in england anyways we broke up me and this girl and her brother burgled my home when i was 16 17 with a bunch of people a bunch of thugs i wasn't in at the time um and my dad had gone through the triple bypass and the strokes and the heart attack, you know. And my dad, uh, he ended up outside my, my home. I'm my 16, 17, you know, I'm a kid. And he's helping me pack some stuff in the car, I figure. And I had a baseball bat that I had then. And I was contemplating going over to this guy's house and beating him up with it. And my dad saw it. He knew what I was thinking. Even though I didn't have a real bond with my dad, right? He knew. He knew what I was thinking. I didn't have to say it to him. And he's like, do you want, you know, who did this? He knew that I knew. I'm like, I think so. He's like, do you want to, do you want, do you want to go around there, me and you? you know, was... And you know, I said no. You know why I said no? Because I was afraid of my dad getting hurt. I was afraid of my dad getting hurt. But he knew in that moment what I was feeling. few years later I was going to work again I was about 20 and it was a weird day right I, I was going I worked in a supplement store selling sports sport supplements one of my first jobs and I'm going to work it's about 8 15 a.m I'm walking to the subway I've just meditated I feel really good I feel really blissed I didn't have any anxiety that day any worry I was I'm not a religious guy but I was in this interesting spiritual place I felt really good really really at peace with the world right and I'm walking and I've got no ounce of anger in me that day no ounce of, of anxiety and I'm walking a guy's crossing the street and he's walking towards me and I'm, I'm looking at him I'm not staring at him I'm not looking for a fight I mean I've got no anger in me that day I remember it it's blissed and he's staring at me and he figures that I'm staring at him. And I guess he, he, he thought that, that, you know, I was trying to start a fight with him. Nothing was said. My energy certainly wasn't that. Next thing I know, this guy's in front of me, bigger guy. And he's angry and he's shouting and he's screaming at me. I'm not saying a word. I'm not scared. I'm in this like blissful place. 
I'm just standing there. And I'm looking at him, but I'm not staring at him for a fight. I'm just in this beautiful energy up to that point. Long story short, he headbutts me. I go down, my nose is bleeding. Get it stitched up, everything's all right. It's not the moral of the story. Here's where the moral of the story is. When I went back to work the next day, and every day for that next week, I'd walk to work, and there was a part of me that was fearing this, I was going to get attacked again, right? And I remember across the street from the subway, my dad was there. He didn't tell me. We never talked about it for a whole week. He was there because he wanted to protect me. My dad was a complicated man. And although he didn't tell me he loved me, he was proud of me a lot. He knew. He knew when he needed to be there at these times. We never talked about it. He wasn't patting himself over the back. He was just there. So there's times like that with my dad. That I mean by kindness. Of an action. That meant so much more than words. I have lost three people due to death in my life. One was my grandmother, or my nan, as we call them back home. It was the first death I experienced about 16, 17 years ago. She was old. I guess because my dad died at 77. But I guess my nan was about the same age. I didn't make that connection until I think she was about the same age. She had a lot of complications, but you know, in our brains, we, we figure, and, and you're never prepared for it, but we figure our grandparents are going to be the first to go, then our parents, then maybe siblings, whatever, then, you know, perhaps a partner or, or, or we go, whatever. So, and my member, my dad, gave me the phone call. And I was upset, of course. Upset about it, of course. Um, but he gave me the phone call. And I was with this girl, this girl called Suda. And up until that point, she was probably the love of my life. Fast forward. I don't know, what was it, about five years later? She died of cancer. I think, I'm not sure. I think that my dad may have given me a message about that. He may have been the one to let me know. I think it was my dad, I'm not sure on that one. Um, she died. And I mourned her. And we weren't together romantically at that time, but I mourned her for two years. I just moved to Canada with, with, with another girl. I hadn't been with Suda for years, but I still loved her, right? She was, she was a big part of my life, and she died. A young woman of cancer, breast cancer. And so I came to Canada, and I mourned her. I was with another girl that I loved, but I mourned her for my first two years in Canada. Every day. Every day figuring maybe there was something I could have done that could have saved her. So this is my third death. And up until today, I 
found this out Monday. My dad died on the Sunday. I um, I've been just going about my life. I figured, wouldn't wouldn't the world stop? No. Would I even stop my routine? No. I haven't been filled with this incredible sadness that I thought was going to be there. Or anger. You might be like, well, Luke, it's one of the stages of um, death, you know, numbness, you know, shock. The weird thing is, I knew that my dad was going to die. It's just a matter of time. He would be the next one to go. And I, and I knew that, even though I knew that I'd never be ready for it, never be ready for something, you can't contemplate someone you love, your parents' death. But I, I haven't cried about it. I haven't even really got that upset about it up until now. I saw a squirrel die in the middle of the road yesterday. I got really upset about that. More viscerally than the death of my dad, who I hadn't spoke to in 11 years. We all deal with grief differently. There's no right way. So if you're out there and you've lost someone and you were deeply heartbroken immediately, that's what you needed to feel in that moment. If you felt numb to the world, that was what you needed to feel in the moment. I don't feel numb to the world. I still feel about all these other things. I don't feel numb to my dad dying. I figured I'd feel more. I figured I'd feel more. I found out today that from my sister that I haven't spoke to in such a long time, my older sister had a great conversation with her first time in like 10 or 11 years. And I never even got into a fight with her. There was no heat there. Just I moved to Canada and took a different course, different course, a different road. And she told me that my dad had died of pneumonia. Um, that he went into hospital last week, died of pneumonia. And um, he was conscious, unconscious from Wednesday. Um, and, the doc and, then, and then the doctor's like, you know, they said to my mom and my little sister, um, He's basically got 24 hours. And because of COVID and what have you, they, they weren't letting my sister or mum go and see my dad. He's about to die, he's been given 24 hours and um, there's no way I can get there. I didn't even know, right? With restrictions and quarantine of two weeks, of going into countries and what have you. But they weren't even gonna let my, my little sister and um, my mum go and see him. But, but I understand that I spoke to my big sister, but my, my little sister did get to say goodbye um, on Sunday to him. He died of um, pneumonia. After he had many strokes, I mean, three, four, five strokes. And I, and I learned today from my big sister that, you know, he had the early, on, early beginnings 
of a dementia as well. And because he was very social, he would drink all the time, you know, had this big group of friends. He'd watch his friends die one by one over the years. So many friends he had. Everyone knew my dad. And he'd watch his friends die one by one. A lot of them, a lot younger than him. And he's, my dad was 77, but like in their 50s. And I know that was heartbreaking for my dad to see so many people. And whenever I'd say to my dad, you know, if you just stop drinking or smoking, he's like, oh yeah, but I heard this story of this guy ran a marathon. He was totally healthy, ate everything right, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, and he died at 35. So it doesn't matter if you, 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 you live a healthy life. You can still die, which is true. You can still die. But he was just finding that one, that one excuse, that one story of that one person who did everything right and died like that versus the millions of stories of everyone who does everything wrong and they die. But he'd hang on to it. My dad would always say to me, he's a complicated man, a contradiction. He'd always say to me, um, I've lived a great life. I've lived a great life. I've travelled where I wanted to travel. I don't have any regrets. He would say that. Then... When he was getting a bit silly, I had a bit too much to drink. He'd say to me and my sister, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. When um, I broke up the first time with Suda, one of the loves of my life up to that point, who died of cancer. She was older than me, seven years older than me. We broke up, one of the make-up breakups, but I figured we were done. Me and my dad didn't really talk about girls. But I remember he came round one day, he was helping me doing some DIY, he was really good with stuff like that. My dad was so loyal. If I called him up, he'd come. Like, I wouldn't be talking how you'd imagine a great father-son relationship to be, but if I needed him for something, actually physically do something, he was always there. And he'd, he'd, he'd driven me to Ikea, or the equivalent before Ikea was there. And he knew I was upset, he was, he was asking about Suda, and he... And I guess I told him we were broken up. Or maybe I didn't. He just knew. He knew. He knew I was going through heartache. Not that I was advertising it, but he, he knew. And even though I didn't have a great bond with my dad, or I didn't think it, he knew that I was in pain. I remember him hugging me, and it wasn't long, but I can't remember what he said. But I knew that he knew that I was going through this without me having to talk about it. That was my dad. Equally, when I tried to kill myself for the first time when I was 16 or 17, taking a whole bunch of tablets to try and kill myself. Some of them were his heart medication. And I remember him and my mum and my little sister came back from picking her up from school. And I'm climbed on one of the units, like, what are you doing? Told them what I did. You know what my dad's response to me was? When he found out I took a bunch of tablets to kill myself when I was 16. Why didn't you do this at night when everyone was asleep? So when my dad found out I was trying to kill myself, that was his response. I don't resent him about it. I think it's something he just said in the moment. This is the contradiction, it was my dad. I tried to kill myself. Why didn't you do this when everyone was asleep? Equally, and everyone would have been asleep. Nobody would have been able to take me to hospital. I would have died. I remember he said, actually, why didn't you go to the train tracks 
The actual line was, why didn't you go to the train tracks when everyone was asleep and do this? Which pretty much guaranteed my demise and death. 16 year old kid who's in so much pain he tries to kill himself. I'm one of the biggest figures in his life, like, why didn't you do this at night on the train tracks when everyone's asleep? That was my dad as well. And everyone's not perfect. We hear these eulogies. Oh, this one was all sunshine and light, never, never did anything wrong. Now my dad was a contradiction. Some things that he did that caused a great deal of pain in my life. And this is not a poor me, by the way. This is not what this is about. We all go through shit. My dad was a contradiction. Um, he would do things like this. My first, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, in case you didn't know. My dad took me to some of my first wrestling shows. Even as a kid, 11, 12, 13 year old, I knew my dad didn't like wrestling. I knew he was doing it for me. I'm not an idiot, I knew. I knew he was feigning it, enjoying it. He didn't do such a great job, by the way, but I knew it was for me, I got it. I got it and I appreciated it. First fight that we had. Oh, I hate all that wrestling shit. It's all, it's none of it's real. I only did it for you. I'm like, I knew that you only did it for me. But now you've shit all on the good gesture of taking me. So that beautiful thing that you did for me and a father-son thing that I knew that you weren't into, that you were only doing it for me because you loved me. Now you've shit all over it. That was my dad. It was a contradiction. I don't drink or smoke because of my dad. I look after my health because my dad didn't. I don't have any kids. I'm, I'm aware of I know it's an old joke. But if I did, if I did have kids, if I ever do have kids, I'd want to be the best dad in the world. And listen, I know nobody's perfect, certainly not me. But I'd want to be a part of their life. I'd want to encourage them. I'd want to be having chats. Kind of things that I didn't really have with my dad. And, I'm, and, and, and again, this is not, wow, oh, I had a, the worst father in the world. I didn't. Didn't. Did so many great things, so many wonderful things. But he also showed me, in many ways, how not to, to be a dad. How not to live my life. My resentment for my dad for many years was that he's pissing his life away. My dad was smart. He could have done so much with his life. And I know he would say, I don't regret anything in my life. I think he was, a, I think he was in the Navy, but I'm not sure. Because my dad, when I'd meet up with him, when I'd see him, he'd fire like the Gestapo. All these questions, the third degree, bang, 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 bang. Wouldn't really listen to my response. And as soon as I try to find out a little bit about him, one word answers cut me off. So I'd get uncomfortable when I'd see my dad, especially if it had been after a while. And I'm sure it was just his way. Coming from, you know, when he was born, I guess in 1945, it was at the end of World War II, wasn't it? And it was his way, it was his way. It was really hard to connect with my dad. Really hard to connect. And as I got older, right, before I left for Canada, I did try, I tried to find out about my dad, tried to add, 
get through all that shit and find out more about this man that's called my dad, right? About his history. And I know my dad had some great stories of some gangster shit that he used to do. And some real, real shit. Because I realized time was running out. He, he wouldn't share those stories with me. I knew very little about my dad outside of the couple of times I'd seen him a week growing up. My dad, right, he'd find out that we liked a certain candy. Then when he'd go and buy his Bacardi and Coke on a Friday at the corner shop, he'd always buy me and my sister the candy we liked. And he would buy it every week, every week, every week. Because he figured, well, because we liked the candy last week or last month, we must like it forever. And it got to a point, as a kid, our, our taste buds changed, right? We stopped liking that candy and like another. So you'd keep getting the same candy, we wouldn't be eating it. But it was his way of showing us love. It was his way of when he was buying his Bacardi and his Coke. I'm thinking of me and my sister. And even though it was a little thing, it was a big thing. The only reason he didn't change or upgrade because he still figured that we, that we liked that candy and um, my mum hadn't told him or we hadn't told him otherwise. I did two things in my life that I think my dad appreciated. I think he appreciated. Again, complicated family history, don't want to go too much into it. But my dad's family, my dad's older brother, he had a son called Patrick, still has a son called Patrick, and he fell. He fell, he was like about 30, I guess, late 20s face. He, he was waiting for a bus and he fell off of the sidewalk, or the pavement as we call it in England. Little fall of like, you know, a foot. But he's hit his head on the ground and um, he went into a coma. I'd seen Patrick a few times in my life, but, but not that many. We were not that close with my dad's side of the family. And my dad wanted me to go to the hospital to go see Patrick. I guess I'm in my 20s, right? I'd been involved in hypnosis and stuff and healing a little bit then. But we never really talked about it. But I knew it would mean something for my dad, for, for one of his kids to go so I went and I don't think he ever told me it meant a lot but I knew it meant a lot and I was doing it for him and I remember I went and Patrick was in a coma from hitting his head on the sidewalk on the road and my, my uncle Johnny my dad's uh, my dad's uh, only brother his older brother um, he was there and, and, and the doctors have said basically Patrick's going to be in a coma for uh for good. Uh, he had a nasty knock on his head. And I remember I went there. This is a true story. And, um, you know, the thing we were told is to hold their hand and, you know, they can to talk to them. They probably can't hear you, but, you know, it's a nice thing for uh, to do, a ritual, if you will. And I remember I went in there and I, I held Patrick's hand. And I'm like, He's going to move. He is going to move. And I felt a micro movement. Now, I don't know if it really happened or I just vividly imagined it. But I felt a bigger move after that. 
And I sent some healing there. And listen, I'm not here to talk about, oh, he healed this guy in a coma. None of this. This is a true story. But this is really what happened. Take it any way you want. But it did happen. And I just felt something. And I went up to my dad after. I said, he's going to be awake tomorrow. And he's going to be walking. My dad's like, you know, he's in, you know, he's signing into hypnosis and all this stuff. Like, well, what's this stupidness, right? Lo and behold, a day later, Patrick was awake. He was conscious. Within a week, he was moving. And I saw Patrick, and I know my dad appreciated that. And I didn't see Patrick again, I guess, for another five or six years. And it was the second time, the second thing I did for my dad that I thought I appreciated. My cousin had got married. My sister and my mum didn't want to go whatever reason I went so I knew it would mean a lot to my dad and I saw Patrick and I hadn't seen him since the hospital and I knew that it, you know recovered it, it, like his, his speech was slower his movement was slower but he could still think fast he could still speak it just took maybe you know more time for the words to come out and his movements were a bit sluggish but he was moving he was moving he was speaking and Patrick came up to me and he's like, my, my dad, my dad's dad, Johnny, came up to me and he told me, he came and saw me in the hospital and he told me what you said to your dad. He's like, I want to thank you. And I think my dad was proud of that. Not only that I went, but that this weird thing from his weird kid happened and then his nephew was up and walking. Listen, I ain't claiming a miracle here, although if a miracle happens within five miles of you, you should probably take credit for it. But being at that, being at that um, funeral, excuse me, wedding, um, meant a lot to my dad. He never said it. I felt it. I felt it did. When my dad would drink a bit too much, I got ashamed of him. Especially if it was around family. He'd get sloppy with his eating. And I, and I got ashamed of my dad. What a horrible saying that. I feel ashamed of my dad at certain times. And everyone's like, oh, it's all Michael, he's just doing his thing. I was ashamed of my dad, of my dad at those times. I remember we shared, when my cousin got married, we, me and my dad shared a hotel room, this golf course thing. My dad snored so loud, like, when my dad would come home on a Sunday or come to our house on a Sunday after drinking, it'd be at the top of the house. We'd have three levels. The door would be closed. We'd hear him snoring at the bottom of the house in the living room with the door closed and the TV on. That's how loud my dad's snoring was. And I remember, um, I'm in the hotel room. My dad just had too much to drink, right? And he's snoring. I'm getting angry like when I was a kid. I'm like, I can't sleep. And I remember going into the bathroom. I remember going into the bathroom, putting a pillow in the bath to try and have a door that would close, that would, I'm very sensitive to sounds. I remember he woke up the next day, oh, why aren't you, why weren't you in your bed? What happened? Like, because you were snoring so frigging loud, because you drank so much. And my dad laughed it off. Dad laughed it off. The last time I saw my dad, it was about 11 years ago. I moved over to Canada. 
and I just went back nine months into my uh, time in Canada to get some uh, belongings to bring over. So I was back for about five days. My dad picked me up from the airport. He was really good with stuff like that. And um, he drove me, he drove me home and we got into a fight. I can't even remember what it was, right? But we got into a fight. And we, we came, brought me to my mum's house. And I can't even remember, it was over something stupid. And um, I felt my mum took my dad's side. I'm not shouting or screaming or anything like that, but you know, I just got off a plane, I haven't seen him in nine months. And I'm, I'm feeling the old me coming up, you know, it's just being rebellious against my parents, you know. This was about 10 years ago, so I would have been 11 years ago. I would have been about 31, right? And I feel this, you know, this fuck you coming. As often came to my parents from me. And I stopped. Because I realised in that moment, probably the last time I was going to see my dad so as I felt myself getting angry I stopped I'm like dad we can do this we can fight right now but you do understand this is probably the last time we're going to see one another so if you want to fight we can absolutely do that but do you really want the last memory of us being us fighting I remember saying that to him I remember I had the cognizance of at that moment. But this is probably the last time I'm going to see him. Of course it didn't hit home. This is like 11 years ago until now. I haven't cried for my dad dying. cried at an end of a TV show where a guy had left prison, a British show that I saw this week, binge watched all three episodes of it. I can't remember what it's called, Life. Anyways, it stars um, Sean Bean, British actor. Anyways, he gets out of prison at the end and he, he, was a, he, he, he like drink drive, he killed this woman's husband, drink drive him. At the end, he does his time in prison He's repenting, he knows he did wrong, he's done his time, didn't try and reduce his sentence. Very sorry for, 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 for drinking and driving, killing this man. He'd written a letter to the man's wife, but she wouldn't read it. The last scene of the uh, TV show is him at the end of a pier, I think, in Liverpool. And he's sitting there, and he's come out of prison, he's done his time. And the woman shows up, uh, whose husband he killed. And she's like, do you have that letter that you wrote to me that I didn't read? I refused to receive the letter. Do you have it? He's like, yeah. And she opens the letter and it just says, I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry for pages and pages and pages. And she says to him, I want to be able to forgive you. I don't know how. And he just sat in this space. It's like a day after I learned that my dad had died. And I cried over that. I cried over that thing called forgiveness. 
not consciously over my dad, but over this thing. See, when I was a kid and I was contemplating death, and I'd get sad. I couldn't get sad and cry about things that were happening to me. But I could get upset if someone died in a movie that I cared about or someone in a TV show. A car died or if a TV show that I loved had finished. I could cry about other people and characters, but I, I couldn't cry for myself. So maybe I regressed in that moment to that kid to cry over this show and this thing called forgiveness because it's kind of a beautiful and powerful scene but I couldn't cry over my dad dying death's an interesting thing isn't it you know much, many of us are told that when someone dies that we love mum, dad, sibling we should be really sad shouldn't we time of mourning Sadness is the order of the day of the emotions. A lot of crying to be had. It's understandable, isn't it? But it's not always like that. It's not always like that. We grieve in different ways. And however you grieve, if you've ever grieved or any point if you ever grieve don't let someone tell you that you need to grieve this way or you need to grieve that way or blah 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 grieve how you grieve everyone's different everyone's at different stages and you might be filled with tears and really upset you might be numb you might be confused you might be angry or any other type of emotion My dad probably lived a lot, my dad did live a lot longer than he should have, the way he used his body. He abused his body. He lived a lot longer than he should have. And I remember going to sleep on Monday, the day that I found out, right? And it was a, I, oh, do you know how I found out that my dad had died? I got a Facebook message when I woke up. Not a phone call, not a face-to-face. -face. got a Facebook message my dad had died my family's an interesting family and when I responded to that message I didn't hear back for a couple of days interesting thing to drop on somebody and it wasn't done that way maliciously to me I know I know it wasn't done maliciously I get it but imagine finding out your mum or dad had died via Facebook message and then when you try to respond, there was nothing for a few days. It's not a poor me thing. It's just a unique situation, my, my family. Um, don't let anyone tell you you need to be this way or that way when grieving. Like I might combust into tears tomorrow and go through three months of mourning or not leave my home. I don't know. We're three or four days into this. I just wanted to put something real out there. You ever lost someone? Don't let anyone tell you that you should be here, you should be here, you should be feeling this. You feel what you feel. Feel what you feel. It's okay to be angry if you're angry at them for not being around. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to feel guilt, shame, 
missed opportunities. It's okay to feel whatever you feel. Don't let anyone tell you it needs to be this way or that way. It's been days this week where I've been really happy. My dad has died and I've been really happy. My dad has died and I have been really happy at certain times since I found out. Sounds fucked up, doesn't it? We grieve how we grieve. Human beings are very complex like my dad. Very complex. We're not all good, we're not all bad, we're not all dark, we're not all light. We're human beings living a human experience and it's messy and it's confusing. And it don't always make sense. My dad was deeply religious. Would always go to church on a Friday night and a Sunday. But my dad, as religious as he was, he, he, he was open to other ideas, a, a, a Catholic, a Christian. But he was open to other ideas of other religions and, and Buddhism and and stuff, how they saw the world. He was open to their ideas, stuff like reincarnation. He was open to those ideas, even though he's a, a devout Catholic. He was open to those other ideas of, of, of stuff, which was... And he was very science-minded, my dad, so it was interesting he was religious, but I guess that was around the time that he was brought up, but the church was a big thing for him. You know, maybe that's why I'm an atheist. Listen, I respect everyone's views to have whatever they believe in. I'm cool with it. Um, it's just, I believe in me. You can believe whatever you believe in. But maybe that's why, um, one of the reasons I am the way that I am. For a long time growing up, I wished that I was adopted. True story. Really wished, I, like the greatest day I said to myself to find out that I was adopted. Because my, my relationship with my folks growing up was not good. But... You know, I look too much like my dad, so um, it's clear that I wasn't adopted. I wasn't the milkman's kid. So in some ways, my dad was one of the kindest men that I ever knew. Sweetest men, but not in a traditional way. Suda, girl, died of cancer, second death in my life. I remember one night, it's about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, I go into my bathroom, she's over, and the fan in the bathroom, there's this window that's high up in the air, right, and it's making some noise. I had my baseball bat or a stick, and I, I knew that if I tapped it, sometimes this buzzing noise would go off. I tapped it a bit too hard, shattered the window, the glass falls in my eye. Neither of us had a car, it's just before Ubers, you know, there wasn't taxi cabs going around. So I called my dad up at one or two o'clock in the morning. And he drives me to the emergency room. Then nothing really wrong with my eye. I just felt stuff in it. Nothing was bad. But I didn't know this at the time. I just felt glass here, right? But my dad was the first person I called. Yeah, because he had a car. But in times like that, it was my dad. And he drove me. And he, you know, he waited with me. I couldn't save my dad. I couldn't save my dad. I tried. 
people is dead. So, um, yeah, that's what's been going on for me over the last few days. This helps one person out there feel okay to grieve the way that they grieve. Then I'm glad I put this out there.